Now, if you have your Bibles today, I'd like for you to open them with me, please, to the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Here Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing, you see, to a spirit-filled church. And I want you to notice that here in this 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, that he encourages them to follow the practice of praying and speaking with other tongues in their own private prayer lives. Now, he has stated in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians about gifts of the Spirit. And I think that we need to know this, that though all tongues are the same in essence, they're different in purpose and use. For instance, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues, well, the tongue you speak with then is not to give messages in tongues to be interpreted as we think of it in public assembly, but that's to be used in prayer and praise and in worship of God. The Bible does speak of divers kinds of tongues. But of course, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you do not receive divers kinds of tongues. That means different kinds. Once in a while, someone will. But you do not receive different kinds of tongues. That's something that may or may not come later. But you usually just speak, I mean, uh, 999, 99100s out of a thousand, or even better, will just speak in a tongue, not diverse kinds, not different kinds, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Are, are you following me? Now, diverse kinds of tongues are, are uh, uh, th that, that's a ministry over there in that area. But the tongue that you speak with, and don't be disturbed if you never receive another one, just use that one. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost is, is for prayer and for praise and for worship of God. Now, uh, in, in the scripture here, in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul calls it, uh, or, or in the King James translation, let's put it this way, the translators inserted the word unknown in there. Now, if you'll notice in, in connection with this, that the word unknown is always italicized. Now, that means it wasn't any time you read a word in your Bible that's italicized. That means it wasn't in the original scriptures. But uh, the translators put the word unknown in there, thinking that they would help you to understand this, that this tongue is unknown to you. I mean, you're not speaking a known tongue. It isn't always unknown to someone else. And it isn't, of course, unknown to God. Now, for instance, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 said, Paul said, For he that speaketh in an unknown, notice the word unknown, is italicized. In other words, what he actually said was, He that speaketh in a tongue. He that speaketh in a tongue. Now, he didn't say he that speaketh in divers kinds of tongues. He said he, did you notice that? He just said he that speaketh in a tongue. Speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Now, when you speak divers kinds of tongues, sometimes men do understand you. Are you listening to me? Because sometimes you'll speak a language known to uh, a human language, see. But here, 
What he's talking about here in the spirit-filled Christian talking to God, he, he, he's inferring here that, well, in fact, he said it. He didn't just infer it. He just said it, that no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Or that is, he speaks divine secrets. Now, in the fourth verse, he said, He that speaketh, and the word unknown is italicized, so I omit it because it was added. It means it's unknown to you. He that speaketh in and tongue edifieth himself. Now, the fourteenth verse, notice, For if I pray in and... And the word unknown is italicized again. It's added. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. Now that's with tongues. And I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. Now then notice down in the 18th verse, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. Now notice the 19th verse. Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that I might teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. The word unknown is italicized. It's added to the Bible. It's not in the original. Never is it in there. Now then, I want you to notice this. Uh, someone said, and it's amazing how uh, that folks who are uh, supposedly educated and learned are so ignorant concerning spiritual things. I, I was reading a letter recently that... Uh, I call his name, and I dare say the majority of, well, all preachers and Christian workers would know him. I say the majority of, of you here today would, if you don't, maybe haven't heard him, you, you've read things from him, from his pen. Because very outstanding Christian minister, you see, here in America. And a, a, an individual who was, uh, had really come to know the Lord under his ministry. Uh, had in recent time been filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues, so they, they sent him the testimony of their experience. And so I read the letter that he wrote back, or ep excerpts at least from the letter. I didn't read all of it. I, I could have read all of it, but uh, she had certain parts of it marked and showed me in our last seminar here. And uh, uh, this fellow said, uh, Paul took uh, uh, words to this extent. This may not be word for word. You don't understand this. It's hard just to quote someone word for word that way. It's something you read. But this is the essence of it, the sense of it, you see. That Paul took a very dim view of speaking with tongues. And that Paul said he'd rather, he'd rather speak uh, uh, five words with don't understand than 10,000 words in unknown tongue or in tongues. Now, when you say it the way he said it, Paul didn't say that. How an intelligent man could say, he said, I don't know. He's either ignorant or dishonest, one of the two. I hate to accuse him of being dishonest. So I can't help how many initials got, he's got on his end of his name. I guess that Ph.D. meant post hole digger. <laughs> because it seems to me that just a common post hole digger would have known more than that. I mean, if he'd ever gone to school enough just to read Baby Ray, he'd know better than that. Amen. 
Now, now, how in the world a person could read what I've just read to you and say that Paul took a very dim view of talking with tongues? I can't understand that because he just got through saying to the Corinthians, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And if he spoke in tongues more than that Corinthian bunch did, he did a tremendous amount of talking with tongues because it seemed that when they came to church, they all wanted to talk at once, doesn't it? You know, he mentioned just... just, just here, if you come, if the whole church be come together and all of you speaking with tongues, you know, if someone came in that was unlearned and, and, and ignorant, well, they'd think he's mad, he's crazy. You know, and that's all that's going on in the service. Now, I want you to notice something else. Paul did not, as I said now, take a dim view of speaking with tongues. He didn't say, I'd rather speak five words more understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He didn't say that. He said, yet in the church. And when you put yet in the church, that changes the whole complex, doesn't it? Yet in the church I'd rather do it, he said. Well then, if that's true, if in the church he'd rather speak five words with his own understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue, then where did he do his speaking with tongues? He must have done it at home or must have done it in his private prayer life. Isn't that right? And if he talked in tongues more than that Corinthian bunch did, he must have went to bed talking tongues, got up talking with tongues, and talked in tongues between meals. Praise the Lord. Isn't that right? Now then notice something else then. Yet in the church I'd rather speak five words of my own understanding than 10,000 words in unknown tongue. Now why had he rather speak with his own understanding? That by my voice I might teach. You can't teach people with tongues because they don't know what you said. Unless once in a while somebody's there who, who could understand the tongue you spoke. But the others wouldn't. You see, then tongues is not for teaching and preaching. I noticed in the Washington, D.C. Uh, regional convention, the Full Gospel Business, man, we had a, a banquet uh, for uh, college students, uh, primarily ministerial students. We had 14 different universities uh, represented, and then ministers, nominational ministers. And uh, uh, the uh, we had a panel on here, The uh, uh, a medical doctor and... Uh, and a psychiatrist in New York City uh, gave his testimony here about being saved, being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, and mentioned a number of marvelous deliverances that had come through uh, through praying for his patients in other tongues, mental patients that he hadn't been able to reach and been treating for years, but that in 30 days' time they was home well by him just laying his hands on them and praying over them in tongues. And he sort of grinned and said, you know, I don't really just practice psychiatry anymore from the standpoint of psychiatry. He said, uh, but it does present a door open for me to, uh, to present to, to get truth into people. And so he said, I found out that I can do people a whole lot more good by just laying hands on and rebuking the devil. And named Jesus. And he sort of grinned sheepishly and said, I found out there's such things as demons and evil spirits. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and so... Uh, and then we had this panel discussion. There's several of we ministers on the panel. Now, I answered the questions on, uh, on, uh, that they presented, and, and about 70% of all questions is on tongues. I answered the questions on tongues, and Brother Or Roberts answered the questions on healing, and some of the other ministers answered on other questions they might ask, unless they just particularly directed a question to one of the persons on the panel. And so... Uh, uh, about about 70% of all the questions that's asked is on the subject of tongues. And some of them said, well, now, you know, why would we have to... And these were, were ministers speaking, you know, who were in seminary. 
some of them preparing for the mission field. Why would we have to uh, go to school and learn the language if God could just give it to you? See, they misunderstood, misinterpreted the whole thing. They thought that speaking with tongues, you see, is just all always speaking language that can be understood and that, and that this gift of tongues is, is God giving you that where you can speak to people, and that's not it at all. It's a supernatural language to talk to God in. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? You see, it isn't, Paul plainly stated here, it isn't for teaching. If it's not for teaching, then it wouldn't be for preaching. I'm like one fellow said one time, he said, I wouldn't preach anything I couldn't teach. And I wouldn't teach anything I couldn't preach. You see, only difference between teaching and preaching is that when you teach, you go into a little more detail with it, you see. But when you preach, well, you generalize a little bit more, but the same truths are there. And so you see, he said, yet in the church I'd rather speak five words with more understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue, that by my voice I might teach others also. Tongues are not for teaching and preaching. On the day of Pentecost, for instance, when the Holy Ghost is poured out, and when some of these people, I'm sure of this one thing, these 120 uh, weren't uh, all speaking languages that could be understood. But these different people that, that were there did hear someone speaking in their language. But none of them got saved until Peter got up and preached. Did you notice that? Didn't anybody get saved as a result of hearing folks talk with tongues? Did you notice that? No one got saved until Peter got up and preached to them. You, you see, friends... Gifts of the Spirit and the miraculous and supernatural doesn't save people. That's not the purpose of it. It gets people's attention. And then after their attention is arrested, you can give them the truth. Now, for instance, seeing the angel, having a vision, didn't save Cornelius. Did it? Did it? But it got his attention. Praise God. Uh, so that when... When Peter did come to tell him, to preach, to tell him words whereby thou and thy house shall be saved. As Peter put it himself in Acts eleven fourteen, that the angel told him, send a job and inquire in such and such house for Simon Peter, who when he has come will tell thee words whereby thou and thy house shall be saved. He is ready to receive it, wasn't he? But Peter spoke to him uh, in a language he could understand. And so, uh, uh, signs and wonders and spiritual gifts and, uh, and, uh, and supernatural things are not to save people. They won't save people, but they will arrest people's attention. And then you can get up and preach the truth to them and the gospel to them. Praise God, they can be saved. You, you, see, you see, when Moses, way back in the Old Testament, when he saw a bush on fire, well, well, well it got his attention. Then God was able to speak to him. And so it's certainly true that tongues is not for teaching. And tongues is not for preaching. Now, it's certainly true that at times, at times, folks have spoken in a tongue that somebody in the congregation understood. And sometimes it's been a message to them. But they weren't preaching to the congregation or weren't teaching the congregation at all. Isn't that true? Amen. That's right. And so in that case, of course, well, the tongues is for a sign. Now, in the, uh, I know of people, I know people personally, I mean, not just, just hearsay, that uh, 
that uh, were, were knew other languages, and in fact, that was their uh, they were that was their uh, mother tongue. And, and someone in the congregation, just uh, what I'm thinking of now, just a, a poor widow lady that had no, very little education that took in Washington Ireland for a living, and yet she got up and spoke right in the service fluently in this person's language and told them things about themselves that. You know, that the pastor told me personally. He said, that I, see, I was holding a meeting in the church, and I wasn't in on that service, but the pastor talked to him about it. And he said, you know, said, I interpret. And I thought, well, my, my, here it is Sunday night, and I don't get any interpretation of that tongue. Nobody else did, so I wonder if it's out of order, but we went on. And then this person came to him and said, who was that woman that's talking to me? This person never been before in their lives to a Protestant church. And this person came to the pastor and said, who was that woman that's talking to me? He said, what do you mean? Why she said, he said, she called my name. And he went on telling what she told him. And it dawned on that pastor. And he said, why well, that woman can't talk. Why well, that woman's a, she can't even talk English. She doesn't even have a fifth grade education. She's a widow lady. Her husband died. They had no, poor people had no insurance. And she just does washings and ironings and such things as that for a living. I'll introduce you to her. And then this man began to talk to her in the very tongue that she had spoken in. And, and of course, it's all, as we say, Greek to her, you know. And he could see. And then just talking to her in conversational uh, uh, English, as we say, or American talk. Well, he could see by the way she talked that she's a very uneducated woman. He went away, but the next Sunday night he came back and knelt in the altar and was gloriously saved. Praise God. Now, now God, God spoke to him that way, see. God spoke to him that way. And so that does happen. But she wasn't preaching to him in tongues. She wasn't preaching to the congregation or teaching anybody in tongues. And so as I said, uh, uh, some of these uh, seminary students asked, they, they thought, you see, that, that tongues was just the ability to speak foreign languages, you know, and that, that uh, God would uh, maybe give that to you, you know, so you could go be a missionary. But that's not the purpose of tongues. And so uh, Paul noticed here, here's what I'm saying to you is this. I'm not discussing the subject of diverse kinds of tongues. I mean from, as Paul discussed it here. But uh, I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. And I want you to notice here that Paul is encouraging the church at Corinth to continue to speak and to pray and to worship God in other tongues. And he's encouraging them to do that primarily in their own private prayer lives. Certainly when we're all praying together as believers or Christians, it'd be all right to pray the other tongue because you come down here to pray to edify yourself. I want you to notice that he said, he that speaketh an unknown tongue edifies himself. Now edified means he builds himself up. Here's a means of spiritual edification. Now, uh, we, we have experience. We know the Holy Spirit in the new birth, and we have many of us experiences in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come on us to anoint us, did in the Old Testament. And great things would happen, all right. I prayed when, uh, before I received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, spoke with other tongues. And I've had, of course, God to bless me uh, because God's going to bless people that seek Him. And He's going to bless people that dedicate themselves unto Him. Isn't that right? 
And I've had God to bless me until I was just so overwhelmed with the power of God until I didn't know where I was. Yet I didn't speak with tongues, and that isn't that isn't being filled with the Spirit. It is an experience of the Spirit, of course. But uh, to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues is an introduction into manifestations and gifts of the Spirit. Now let me stop off long enough to say this. That uh, so many times people will say, well, now, I know people that's, uh, that, that don't speak with tongues, and, and they have the fruit of the Spirit, certainly. But I want to call your attention to something if you're just a real Bible student. This fruit of the Spirit isn't the fruit of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost doesn't produce fruit. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Fruit grow out on the branches. This is fruit that grows in the life of the Christian because of the life of Christ within and if you'd care to, I'll just take your time. Well, now somebody said there in the King James translation in Galatians, it's, it's got the word spirit capitalized, so it refers to the Holy Spirit. But now wait a minute. W.E. Vine points out in his expository dictionary of New Testament words that there's only one Greek word for spirit. And if the word for holy isn't there in front of it, then you have to determine by the text where it's referring to the human spirit or the Holy Spirit. And in my opinion, and I, th and I can prove it so that it'll stand up in the light of the Bible, that this isn't talking about the Holy Spirit at all here, but it's talking about the human spirit. And that what he's doing is drawing a, a, a distinction between the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit, the inward human spirit that's recreated and born again. That has nothing to do with the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Are you, are you following me now? Now, I want, I want to show you. What's the first fruit of the spirit here listed? Love. Is that right? All right. What does the Bible say? We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. That's the first evidence of being born again is the love. Is that correct? What's another fruit of the Spirit? Peace. Romans 5, 1 said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. It tells us that peace is the result of the fruits of being justified. Is that right? Is that right? Now, now you could go right, if you'd care to, go right on down through the list. I can give you chapter and verse. I, I don't have time. That's beside my subject. But I can give you chapter and verse for every one of these nine fruit of the Spirit, as we say, that says that the saved man has it. Now, let me show you something. Fruit is for holiness. Now, you can be holy and not be powerful. And you can be powerful and not be holy. And whether you know that or not. I said, I don't know whether you know that or not. But of course, God's ideal is for us to be both holy and powerful. You see, that's what he's saying to the Corinthians about walking in love. You see, that they could speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love and to profit to them nothing, you see. In other words, that's what he's saying. You've got the gifts, and the gifts are for power, and the fruit is for, for holiness and character. And I know people that's wonderful Christians, oh, marvelous saints of God. And they have they have the fruit, you see, but don't have empowered. I know preachers that way. Wonderful, separated, dedicated people, but don't have any power. I've never seen any supernatural gifts in manifestation in their lives. Are you following me? Right on the other hand, I know people that have marvelous manifestations that are not so holy. Now, that's not God's ideal. Don't you misunderstand me? 
But you see, it, it is just that they fail to grow spiritually. You see, you see, spiritual babes can have spiritual gifts. You don't have to be an adult Christian to have spiritual gifts. You know, that's easily proved. <laughs> These Corinthians were spiritual babes, and Paul said you were babes, didn't he? And yet he said you come behind no good gift. Somebody said to me then, one place where I was, he said, But David, you mean carnal Christians? can speak with tongues and have the Holy Ghost. Carnal Christians can have gifts of the Spirit. I said, yeah. Well, they just looked at me. I don't know whether I believe that or not. I said, don't you talk with tongues? They said, yeah. I said, that proves it again then. <laughs> well, that's easy answer. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. That's easy. And I think they got it. I know they did. <laughs> I'll tell you, the most of us uh, I know I know myself, and I, I've been a Christian for a good many years, and I've been a minister for a good many years. Uh, I, I'm not old. I just started young. And uh, and I know this. Uh, you know, sometimes, boy, just about time I think, man, I'm just doing real good. I, I, I've just, I've about arrived. I, I've, I've arrived, you know. I'm, I'm just about thoroughly sanctified. Well, something will come up, and I'll find out I'm not near as sanctified as I thought I was. I found out I'm still living in the flesh. I've still got the body to contend with. Now, isn't that true? I, I know when I was a little boy, I'll never forget the longest day I lived. I, I'll never forget. You know, you just never forget these things. When I was a little boy. Before I ever started school, I was about, oh, five years old, five and a half years old. Right catty cornered across the street and where we live uh, with my grandparents, uh, with dear old saint. Oh, now don't you misunderstand me. She was a saint of God. She was a beloved saint. Eighty some odd years of age. She lived to be about a hundred. And everybody, I mean everybody up and down the street, had utmost confidence in her and still did after what happened, what I'm about to tell you happened. But she witnessed, she testified to people up and down the street that she's thoroughly sanctified, that she couldn't sin. That it's just, you know, this this uh, root, you know, and, and, and everything, you know, of sin's taken out of her. <laughs> And that she, she sanctified a holy and couldn't sin. But now, Grandma, even at 80, 82, she always had a garden. And she'd get out there and plant. She lived alone, you see, a widow. And she'd plant this garden, you know, and, and she'd give people, because she'd have more than what she could use. She'd can a lot of stuff, you know, but she'd give the neighbors who didn't have gardens. Grandpa always had one. And uh, uh, stuff out of the garden, and so on. But and she had a fence around it. And uh, but but her neighbors live right next to her now on the other side of it. They they had chickens, and these chickens would get in that garden. Well, they would just uh, uh, you know come along. Some of this green stuff coming up. Some of them chickens just go right down the road, you know. <laughs> and so she'd get out there and throw them back over the fence and try to find out where they're getting through, you know, and fix the hole because you know it's a it's a chicken fence around this garden, you know. And, and uh, and so she watched, and actually this man, he is just devilish. He wasn't a Christian next door. He'd throw one or two of them chickens over that fence. <laughs> and she caught him doing it. She watched. She just sufficient because she couldn't find a hole in that fence on the inside. She's sufficient that somebody's putting no chicken in it. And so she watched through the window. See, I was out in the yard playing because I couldn't see her watch through it, but no, she did. Because I saw him, you see at times and, and he threw those chickens over there and she caught him well she come out that back door and that's what got my attention when she slammed the door boy you could hear it two blocks away there when she slammed that door 
And she just, this, this old chicken just going right down the road, you know, and she slipped up behind that chicken and just grabbed it and wrung its head off. <laughs> and throwed that thing back over in his yard and said, now let that teach you a lesson. <laughs> and she hollered out so loud till it got some people's attention around her. And somebody said, well, didn't know Grandma had that much life then. She got mad, you see. And she wasn't altogether sanctified. I mean, I mean, you know what I mean. She co- and, and, of course, she cooled off after a while, bless her heart. And then here she comes, see, going to every house up and down the street asking to forgive her. But, you know, folks told us, well, we got more confidence in you than ever now. We always believed in you. But when anybody's wrong and can admit and, you know, just go house down and say, I'm wrong, I lost my temper and I'm, I'm wrong, I shouldn't have done that. Why, well, then they had more confidence than ever in her. And she was a great saint. Don't you misunderstand me. But you know, about the time that we get there and think, isn't that about right? About the time we think, boy, I'm just about, I, I'm, about I'm about perfect here. You know, boy, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing pretty good here. I've got the flesh well under control and, <laughs> you know. Well, something will crop up and you'll find out you're not near as sanctified as you thought you were. You've still got the flesh to contend with and you'll find out the sanctification is really a progressive something. And that you're going to have to learn to keep the body up. And just because you kept the body under yesterday is no sign that it's going to be under today. Paul said this, I keep my body under. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I bring it into subjection. Well, that's what he meant. I is the inward man. The man lives on the inside. No, so let my flesh dominate me. I, 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 I dominate my flesh. Praise God. Praise God. That's exactly what he said. Well, that's another subject. I'll not get into it. But yet these side thoughts sometimes help us, don't they? Now then, carnal Christians, as I said, can be filled with the Spirit, and they need to be filled with the Spirit more than anybody. Now, you know, I, I, I can understand folks from the, from the denominational standpoints many times about the Holy Spirit and one thing or another. You know, when I was filled with the Spirit, of course, I saw what the Bible said, and I believed that. And, and, and that's what astounds me is that so many people, I mean, even Christian workers and preachers a lot of times, have such a little confidence in what the Bible says. But as I looked at God's Word, you can think what you want to about it, but I examined it closely, and I saw in the Acts of the Apostles that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that they spoke with tongues, and so uh, I, somebody said, well, should we seek tongues? Well, I didn't seek tongues, but expected to speak with tongues. So I just said to the Lord in prayer, I went down to the full gospel pastor's house and said, I came down here to get the Holy Ghost. I saw it said, it's a gift. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children. All that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And, and so, he, of course, he said, wait and seek for it tonight in church. And I said, well, it won't take me very long to see. And he saw the sincerity and earnestness of my heart. So he said, well, come on in then. So I knelt by a large chair in the living room. I didn't pay any. I don't know what they said. The pastor and the vandals were there. I don't know what. I could hear the sound of their voice, but it just sort of shut my ears. I don't know one word they said. I just, no, they didn't tell me to do it. But I remember when I got healed, I lifted my hands. And so I just put my hands up and said, Dear Father God, I came down here to receive the Holy Ghost. And then I told him what the Bible said. The promise is unto you. I quoted to God. See, God said one time over in Isaiah, 43rd chapter, 25th, 26th verse, said, Put me in remembrance. What does he mean? Well, remind him of his promises. And so I, I reminded him what Acts 2 239 said in Acts 238 says and then I reminded him that I received salvation by faith and I, I reminded him that I received healing by faith and so I said now I receive the Holy Ghost 
I receive the Holy Ghost. I know I'm a saved, normal Christian, normal preacher. Now I receive the Holy Ghost. Now I want to thank Him because I have the Holy Ghost now. Praise God, I'm now filled with the Holy Ghost. I just said that just about as dead and as dull as I'm saying. I never felt a thing. Now I said, Father, I expect to speak with tongues. You know, if I go down here and buy a pair of shoes, I'm not going to buy a pair of shoes without any tongues in it. I didn't go down there to buy tongues. I went out there to buy shoes, but I'm not going to accept them without tongues. I mean, because men's shoes, they, they have tongues in them, don't they? Huh? And if they'd cut the tongues out, I wouldn't buy them, would you? I don't care if they are expensive shoes. I don't care if it's a $150 pair of alligators and they've cut the tongues out of them. I'm not going to take them, are you? Would you? Are you listening to me? Well, somebody said you can have them without, with, or without. Some folks said, well, you can have this Holy Ghost with or without tongues. Well, who said you could? I mean, where did you get that information? Uh, they didn't in, in the Acts. Amen. I, I mean, I mean, if I look right over here at this fellow this morning, and I, I can see he's took a pair of scissors and cut the tongues out of his shoes, I'd think something's wrong with him. <laughs> and it wouldn't be. When these folks came to God to hold the ghost without tongues, I, I tell you, I think something's wrong with them. <laughs> and it would be. No, I wasn't seeking tongues, and I'm not seeking tongues, but I don't want the Holy Ghost without the tongues because I can't have it. I mean in the fullness. I mean knowing. And so I said, now I've received. Praise God, because see, you have to receive by faith. Now I've received the Holy Ghost. Thank God I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And now, Father, I said, I expect to speak with tongues. Because they spoke with tongues on the day of Pentecost when they received. And right on down through the Acts, I quoted it to him. All the evidence is on that side. And I'm just not going to be satisfied until I do. So I want to thank you for the, for the speaking with tongues. Praise God the Holy Spirit will give me utterance. And I'll speak it. And I'll thank you for it. Hallelujah, I said to the Lord. Hallelujah. I never felt so dry and dead in my life. I, I don't know. I guess having a Baptist background, just believing the Bible... Uh, uh, made me that way but I never have had much patience with these folks that said well I don't feel right what's that got to do with it what if somebody gave you a check for a million dollars cashier's check and said, no 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 I just feel like there's something wrong here <laughs> no it'll never work I just feel like it won't I don't got a thing to do with it it's what's on the paper that counts are you listening to me and then again, I've heard people, somebody say, well, how are you feeling this morning, Brother Jones? Oh, I said, I feel like a million. I knew it didn't have a dime. <laughs> I'd rather have a million any time than just feel like I had one, hadn't you? <laughs> are you listening to me? Where in the world did you ever read the Bible where it said, we walk by feeling? You never did read that. You did read where it said, we walk by faith and not by sight. What does it mean, we walk by faith? It means we walk by faith in what God said. I always just thought if God said it, it's so. In fact, I can show you. I got my books and all here. They're not unpacked, some of them yet, but but uh, because they haven't found a place to put them yet. Uh, but uh, I've got every Bible I ever had way back under. See, in the beginning of my uh, experience, I, I wrote in red ink the fly leaf of my Bible. The Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now, that's the end of it, period. You know, no use discovering, discussing in front. That's it. The Bible said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Praise God. So I never felt a thing. I never felt a thing. Never felt more dry or dead in my life. But I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now what am I saying hallelujah for? Well, I'm a thanking God for the Holy Ghost, and I'm a thanking God 
for the uh, the utterance that he gives, the Holy Ghost gives. I said, yeah, but you don't have it. Yeah, but I believe in how. Praise the Lord. And he said, if you believe you've got it, you'll get it. Whatever you receive from God. And so I said, hallelujah. Oh, I don't know, eight or ten times. And I know everybody's got their own experience. I mean, there's certain Bible evidences we should have, but right on the other hand, I mean the individual. But it just felt like somebody built fire on the inside of me, in, in, in here. And that fire just blazed up like a bonfire, you know. And it got up my throat. Well, I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't know. I just, I just said to the Lord, Lord, if that fire doesn't stop, that burn don't stop, I'm going to have to quit. I was saying hallelujah, see. And then it seemed in this fire that these words were just boiling up, you know, strange words. And it seemed like I'd know what they were if, I, if I'd speak them. So I just started speaking them out. And I talked with tongues an hour and a half. Oh, I could have quit, but didn't want to. Didn't want to. I wanted to talk, so I kept talking. <laughs> Sang three songs in tongues. Praise the Lord. Well, now you know, I, I was tempted just like everyone else. You see, this experience wasn't like I listened to these Pentecostal people testify. Well, I had certain things built up in my mind. I was always a conservative person. Still am to some extent. You think I'm quiet now? You should have seen me in days gone by. Well, when I was in high school, third year of high school, I, I lived with my grandparents, you see. No, second year in high school, because the third year I was saved. And, and so uh, I had a teacher, Miss Bessie May Hamilton, taught me English in grade school. And so by the time I'd got to high school, well, she had continued her studies in in, in the summertime, and now she is teaching Latin in high school. She is my Latin teacher. So Grandpa was talking at the table one night, supper table. He said, you know, it's all so Miss Bessie May today. He said, I said, well, how's Kenneth doing? She said, Mr. Drake said he's just like he always was. Said he, uh, he, he, you, if you wait on him and say anything, you'd never know he's there. Well, I said he could skip the class and we'd never know he wasn't there. Now, you've got to be awful quiet to do that. <laughs> but now, see, that's before I got saved. So that put an idea in my mind. So that very next next day, or that week at least, I played hooky one afternoon because I had Latin in the afternoon and had the history class. And I uh, I went to the show. Well, then I went back the next day. And when you go back, you've got to go to the principal's office with an excuse, you see, from your mother or from your guardian, in this case my grandmother, and uh, and and, to, to, and and then he'll sign a slip that'll admit you to these classes, and you can't get back in those classes without that slip. See, and so I went to the class, and she would, uh, you know, uh, give the roll call. You see, I mean, call everyone's name, and and you answered present in Latin. And so when she called me, I answered present. I noticed her look at her book and look at me and look at her book and look at me, and then said, erase something there and marked me present yesterday. <laughs> And then I did the same thing in the other class. I had the two classes. And I did that the rest of the semester and they never missed me. You've got to be pretty quiet to do that. You know that. Isn't that right? Then I got saved and, and, and I told my grandma I was going to preach and my grandma said, why son said, you can't preach, you can't talk. But the first time I got up to preach, I preached 45 minutes and I've been going on up ever since then from that. You see. And... Uh, and when I first started preaching, you know, like my wife said, she said when she first met me, now, though I was pastor of a full gospel church, she said, well, you could have preached out of a wash pan. I mean, never moved, you know. I remember the first time I ever moved out of the, out of the pulpit, you know, and got down off the platform and embarrassed me so I turned red on top of my head. You know. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I was trained to do differently, you know. 
and, uh, and uh, I thought that violated ministerial etiquette, you know, and so on and so forth, you know. And I was very precise, you know, in any ways, you know. But uh, praise God, I'm not bound to that anymore. Praise the Lord. I, I, I can make gestures this way and I make them this way too. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah, don't bother me at all. Either way. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, just see, where was I now? <laughs> Amen. That's one advantage of being filled with the Holy Ghost, see. <laughs> praise the Lord. Now, I, I was very conservative, as, as I said. I just gave you a little show you how conservative. And I just was sure, because of my reserved nature, I was just sure, you see, that when I received the Holy Ghost, that I'd become loud and boisterous. I, I was sure that I'd probably just cut a rusty. Do you know what I mean by that? Now, you folks in Indiana don't know, do you? Or do you? Now, these old Okies know. I mean, let me know what I mean by that. Cutting the rusty. Oh, yeah, you know. You know, I thought, man, I'd just have a fit, you know. Just just, just be become loud and boisterous and just, you know, really tear up things, maybe. But didn't do a thing but talk in tongue. That's all. That's all. But, you know, that's all Read it said they did on the day of Pentecost. Said they spoke, they began to speak with other tongues. Isn't that right? You know, it's a strange thing. We 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 we're so bound by the by the flesh until you could take three persons come receive the Holy Ghost, and one of them just stand here and very quietly speak with other tongues, and another one, you know, speak with tongues, gets a happy, just run back down the aisle, and the other one just gets a happy, just dance a little jig for joy and cry and hug two or three necks, and you could be talking to someone the next day and say, "Well, what happened?" Well, I said this three got the Holy Ghost, or oh, said two of them really got it. And they didn't anymore really get it, and you know what I mean, than the other one did. Are you listening to me? Now, I learned a long time ago, you know, you can't tell what's in a book by looking at the cover. And you can't tell what a person's got by, by, by the outside actions. I mean, at the moment. It'll show up eventually. I've seen people come for salvation and just weep and cry and jump up and shout and hug everybody in sight. Oh, bless God, I'm so glad it came tonight. Never did see him anymore. Never did come back to church. I passed near 12. Never did come back. In fact, the very next day I drove by and what we sort of called, well, I had to go that way to get to where it was going, what we sort of called in our town Rat Row, you know. It had these dark dives, and I saw them going into these dark dives. And then again, I've seen people come and thinking of man right now. He came to the altar and responded to the salvation call, and, and if there's ever a tear in his eye or any emotion about him, in fact, he wasn't there just a minute or two. Time I could get down there and meet about him. I had an evangelist preaching, you see. When I saw this fellow come, I was so glad he came. Well, I, I stepped off the platform to kneel by him, and I laid my hand, you see. As I knelt down, I laid my hand on his back, and I felt a rumbling in his lungs, see. So I knew he was praying on the inside of him. By the time I got settled on my knees, he got up. And I, I thought to myself, well, my, my, poor fellow's not going to go through, you know, as we say. And, and he got up and, and stood, so I got up and stood by him, and, and they stopped singing about then. They sing an invitation. Number and the vanish didn't ask him to say anything. He just sort of mumbled, I want to thank God because he saved me and went and sat down. And didn't anybody hear him but me? I mean, folks, on, well, there wasn't anybody on the front seat. <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether they'd have heard him or not if they'd have been there, but I heard, I, you know, I don't think you could have heard him over three feet away from him. Sort of mumbling, I want to thank God because he saved me. And I, 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 thought, I thought to myself, well, that poor fellow never got a thing in the world. I mean, you know, and he sort of wiped his eye that way, and I stand right beside him, looked right in his eye, and couldn't see a tear or nothing. 
And I thought, you know, he didn't get a thing. He became one of the most beautiful Christians I've ever seen in my lifetime. Most faithful members. Praise God. Began to pay his tithe and support the church. And, and, and just marvel. You, you can't tell, folks. Are you listening to me? Sometimes people just get stirred up emotionally and don't mean a thing in the world. And shout and make a lot of noise don't mean a thing in the world. Are you listening to me? That's absolutely the truth. Don't mean a thing in the world sometimes. And then sometimes it does, of course. We know that. But you see, it's what happens really in a man's spirit, in a man's heart. Well, I wasn't noisy about it. But I, 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 I said, well, praise God, it's not like I thought it was, but I got told it goes. And yet, in a sense, I was sort of disappointed. I was sort of disappointed, you see, because I'd seen others, you know, who were uh, boisterous and, and they shouted and they, you know, and I sort of wanted to do that way and I didn't. And, and so I was sort of disappointed. And I was so disappointed about it, I thought, well, now, this is these Pentecost people kept talking about it. after the Holy Ghost come upon you, shall receive power. And I sort of shake myself and said, now, where's the power? <laughs> you know? Well, I actually said this. I actually said this to myself. I actually said this, and I said it to God in prayer. Why, well, I said, Lord, I've got a bigger blessing than this many times just out praying by myself. <laughs> but she receiving the Holy Ghost isn't getting a blessing. Are you hearing? You can get blessings before and you can get blessings after it. Well, I, I really said to the Lord, I mean in prayer, Lord, I'm sort of disappointed in this. Now, now, don't misunderstand me. I said to the Lord, now, Lord, I know according to your word, I'm going to take it according to your word. Because your word said there's all filled with the Spirit begin to speak to the other tongue. But yet, and, and I spoke to the other tongue, I talked an hour and a half. I could have quit if I wanted to, but didn't want to quit, so I just kept going. And I said, uh, Lord, I, I'm the, I said to him, though, I'm, I'm sort of disappointed in this, you know. Because if I've got any more power than I had, I don't know it. See, a lot of times we don't know what power is. I mean, we think power is something you feel, and it isn't always. And if I've got any more power than I had, I don't know it, Lord. And so I was really uh, uh, sort of uh, taken aback about this thing, see, because it wasn't like I thought it was. But I did have enough Bible in me to accept it and say, well, bless God, it's scripture, so I'll, I'll stay with it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. But yet I didn't say anything about it to anybody. I didn't preach it to my congregation. I was a Baptist boy preaching, pastor of a community church, and I, I didn't tell it. I didn't preach it. I was sort of going to wait, you know, till I got somewhere where I had some kind of a, of a, an a explosion of power or something, then I'd... I'd tell it then, you know. They, 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 I thought they'd all be able to see then, you know. But uh, we had a son of our congregation. He and his wife had been away on a on trip. In fact, uh, as well as I remember, they'd been to Europe. Uh, and they'd been gone about three months. And it's while he is gone, you see. I mean, somewhere towards the end, just before he came back, that I received, see. And uh, I didn't know it, but see, in this, our community church, we had two or three Assembly of God folks that began to come because our church is the only church in the community. It's a country church, you know, in the community. And, and they, they, they'd had to go miles and miles to get to a Assembly of God church, so they came there. And this fellow was a Presbyterian. His name was Curry, and he was a Presbyterian. And he'd said to Mr. R.O. Cox, who was a Methodist man, see, everybody came, Baptist, Methodist, Christian, everybody and said, well, I don't know whether you ought to let those folk come or not. Well, of course, it's a public meeting. You couldn't keep people coming. He said, if that speaking of tongue gets in here, well, I said, I'm going to pull my family out. I'm not, I'm not going, you know. Of course, he didn't know what he's talking about. And so while he is gone, well, I got this talking with tongues. Well, 
I didn't I didn't share it with the congregation at this time because I I was a little disappointed about it because you know I didn't feel the power like I thought I ought to and I didn't feel like I thought I ought to and so Mr. Cox told me he said uh, you know uh, because I'd stay in their home this good Methodist home when I'd go out there on, uh, on to preach on weekends you see and, and then on Thursday night we had Thursday night service and a lot of times I'd stay on Sunday night and then go back home Monday morning or go back into town I mean Monday morning so he said uh, Mr. Cox told me said Mr. Curry was talking to him said something's happened to a little now, now I'd shared privately with Mr. Cox because he is a very spiritual man a very biblical man and with him I'd talk because he wouldn't talk to anybody else see I talked about this and so Mr. Cox told me said Mr. Curry said uh, something's happened to a little preacher while I was gone he said oh Mr. Cox thought, well, he knew he didn't tell me. He thought maybe I'd told someone else, and it's all leaked out, you know. He said, oh, he said, what, why, what, what, what do you mean? You know, it sort of led him on, you know, said, well, something's happened. What do you mean something's happened? Well, I said, he's better preaching than he was. Mr. Cox told me, now, this is his opinion, not mine now. Mr. Cox said, well, I, I told him, well, uh, Mr. Curry said, I always thought our little preacher was a real good preacher. Oh, he said, yeah, I did too, but said, he's, said, I'll tell you, said, he's got something he used to didn't have. Mr. Cox then, he got it, see. He, he, he saw it hadn't anybody told him because he had told us. He said, he just let him on then and said, Oh, sure enough. Uh, well, he said, uh, 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 What is it? Well, he said, uh, I don't know what it is. But said, I'll tell you, said, when he preaches now, he said, You can feel it. Well, there's a feeling and I wasn't. <laughs> He said when he talks now, he said he's got a power that he used to didn't have. Well, Mr. Cox said, I said, well, I, th I always thought our little preacher was a pretty powerful preacher. Oh, Mr. Curry said, I always enjoyed it. But said, I'll tell you, said when he preaches now, said it, it hits you. Said it just, it's got a punch to it. It's got a power to it. His words have got an authority behind him. And then I had to start repenting and said, dear God, dear God. See, I had it all the time, me and doubting it. You see what I mean? This wasn't just given for my individual benefit. My, my same congregation could tell that something happened to me. Then I noticed it. I'll tell you, and I did this before I ever said anything about it publicly. I noticed then in my own individual life things, tests, trials, temptations that I came up against that it just took about all I had to make it through and I just barely squeaked through some of them. But since receiving the Holy Ghost and even doubting it, <laughs> when I came up against the same thing, I found and added something there. And I said, Dear Lord, I had this idea in my mind about power some way or another that it was something you could physically feel. And I thought, you know, that I'd feel just like maybe I'm about to blow up, you know, like a ton of dynamite. You know? And because I just didn't feel that way physically, and, and you may never feel that way physically. Are you listening to me? Amen. Yet I said, you said out of your innermost being is your flow rivers of living water, and this is flowing out to others, and my congregation tell the difference, and they got to talking about it till I said, well, I'll tell you what it is now. And bless God that made such an impression on them that they practically all came in and we turned that church into a full gospel church. 
praise God, the building and the land belonged to this Mr. Cox's brother. This is Mr. R.O. Cox. I stayed at home. J.W. Cox owned this. He owned hundreds of acres of land. And he owned this building all, and he needed the building and everything, lock, stock, and barrel to the general council of the Assemblies of God. Praise God. And we turned the whole thing, the whole thing went, went, went Pentecostal and seemed to God. And we never lost a family. Everybody kept coming. In fact, it got bigger after I left than it was while I was there. <laughs> Glory to God. Praise the Lord. And, and, and you know, the, the, the one thing was, one, one of the things that made a difference was, here, here I am sort of doubting, and they can see it. Man, what's happened? Something's happened to our preacher. He's got power. Well, what's his secret? I want it, whatever it is. Well, I said, all I know, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, started talking in tongues. You get it when you talk with tongues. Praise God, I didn't have it till then. They heard me preach for two years and I hadn't, hadn't seen I had it. Are you listening to me? Then I'll tell you something else. Now, I laid hands on people and, and I saw them healed. I mean, not publicly, but privately. I'd preach it publicly now. Uh, and, and I'd see them get healed. But uh, as a result of praying with other tongues, I found out that the Spirit would prepare me for things that were to come. Now, did you notice this, that he said here, he that speaking an unknown tongue speaking not unto men, but unto God? And as we point out to you, the word unknown is italicized. He just said, he that speaking in a tongue, speaking not unto men, but unto God. Howbeit the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Or he speaks divine secrets. And that he said, he that speaking an unknown tongue edifies himself, he builds himself up. Now notice what Jude said. I, I, want, I, want, I want to get more than one witness. You turn over here to, the, to Jude, you know, just this little uh, one chapter right here before the book of Revelation. Now notice the 20th verse of Jude. See, I'm talking about now after you're filled with the Holy Ghost, speak tongues. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to keep on speaking with tongues and praying. For that's praying in the Spirit. Now notice what he said here. The 20th verse of this first chapter, only one chapter of Jude. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, now what does praying in the Holy Ghost mean? Well, we need to get other scripture in the Bible together on the subject, don't we? I mean, one will help us understand the other, doesn't it? All right, notice what Paul said. Build, uh, Jude said, building up yourselves. Building up yourselves. All right, Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, He that speaketh an unknown tongue edifies him. Edified means he builds himself up. He that speaketh an unknown tongue, it builds himself up. Builds himself up. He's saying then that, uh, that by praying in the Holy Ghost, which according to the Bible, the New Testament means praying in an unknown tongue or in another tongue or in a tongue. By so doing... There, this is a means whereby you build yourself up spiritually. Is that correct? It's a, it's a means of spiritual edification, then, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, now, we can be built up by reading the Bible. and We can be helped by praying even other ways. But yet, this is one way that, that nothing else is going to take place of. Is that correct? Has to be. Has to be. Now, now then let's notice something else while we're on the subject. Notice, uh, come back here now to, to the book of Ephesians, please. Let's come back to the book of Ephesians now. And, and let's see something Paul said here. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and the 18th verse to the church at Ephesus now. 
And what would apply to the church at Ephesus and what he's saying to the church at Ephesus belongs to the church in Oklahoma. You say, which church? Well, the whole church, the body of Christ. Praise God. Now, praying always, well, we believe in prayer, all right. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. All right. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit for all saints. Now, what does praying in the Spirit mean? Wouldn't you understand that to pray in the Spirit means to pray with the Spirit? Let's, let's see what Paul said. I mean, after all, Paul wrote this letter. This don't interpret for Paul what he said himself. I mean, let, let's, don't, let's don't put our own interpretation on it, but let's, let's let Paul define what he means about praying in the Spirit. Let's, let's go back then, because Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians. Paul left, wrote the letter to the Corinthians. Don't you think he's talking about the same thing? See what he said. Let's look at it again, second verse. In the 14th chapter, 1 Corinthians. For he that speaketh in a tongue... Speaking not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit, in the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. In the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit for all saints. If praying in the Spirit in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians is praying with tongues, then praying in the Spirit in Ephesians 6.18 is praying with tongues. All right, let's see what it said in the 14th verse. For if I pray in a tongue, word unknown to italicized, my spirit prayeth. My spirit prayeth. But now, the Amplified Translation reads this way. My spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prayeth. He said, that's the Holy Spirit within me helping my spirit to pray. My spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prayeth. Now notice, but my understanding is unfruitful. So if your spirit was praying in English, your mind would understand what you said. It wouldn't be unfruitful, would it? So it has to be tongues, because he said, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. You see, we can pray, not only in, in, in praying this way, do we build ourselves up spiritually, but he said also, by praying this way, we can pray for all saints. Well, you couldn't pray for all saints because you wouldn't know all of them in the natural, could you? Many times. Why we could, I could stand here all day and teach on this subject. When the night service started, we'd still be talking. Give you illustration after illustration. I mean, it happened in my own life. It happened in the lives of others I know. Missionaries on the foreign field. Thousands of miles away from home, you see. I remember hearing a, a good friend of mine, a, a missionary, speak. And he and his wife went out as missionaries to Africa years ago. Way back, you know, in the, toward the beginning of World War Number 1. And uh, they, were, uh, they were over there as missionaries. They went over, of course, by boat, not, not flying like we do now. 
didn't have quick communication like we have now. I mean, it'd take their parents here in America a month to get a letter from them. Back in those days, you know. And uh, and so uh, uh, her, uh, this missionary's wife, daddy and mother lived here in America. And uh, they they owned land, but they didn't work anymore. Somebody else run it. And he'd have dairy through the years, but he was up in his 80s now, 82 years old, and he didn't, he didn't operate dairy anymore, but he did keep three or four cows and would milk them and sell cream in them. Well, now here, this 82-year-old man on the farm, you know, get up early. He got up, you know, about daylight, and he'd started out towards the barn to milk, and somewhere or another in his spirit, about halfway between the house and the barn, he just just arrested. You know what I mean? I mean, he just had, a, had a, 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 an impression within him that something's wrong. And somebody else, he didn't know what, but he knew that it was that it was his daughter Blanche. And he just set the milk pails down about halfway between the barn and the house, and came back to the house. Well, his wife, she'd start to get breakfast, and and back in those days, she was still cooking on one of those old wood stoves. I know on back there, you know, I used to go to my grandma's house on my daddy's side of the family, and and and, and they lived in the country on the farm. In fact, owned hundreds of acres of black land. My grandfather on my daddy's side of the family until the crash of 29 was considered a millionaire. And he, uh, in fact, he, he gave all the children their own places, one thing or another. But anyway, uh, uh, Grandma always cooked on one of the wood stoves, you know. I know some way or another, I was just all an impression that they cooked better than anything they ever eat off of. <laughs> and so, uh, of course, that's what they had. And, and so uh, uh, she was getting breakfast. You know, when he came back in, well... Uh, she said, you know, he just looked like he'd seen a ghost. You know, he turned white. So I said, what's the matter? Well, he said, I don't know, but something's wrong with Blanche. Well, she said, how do you know? Well, he said, I can't tell you how I know, but I just know it on the inside of me. You know, Spirit of God lets you know some things, doesn't he? So they got right down to the middle of that kitchen floor, and he said to the Holy Spirit, see, the Holy Spirit's a, a divine personality and a divine person. He lives in you. I'm talking primarily now to Spirit-filled believers. And he said, he just said, that this daddy said to the Holy Spirit, I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong with Blanche, and I don't know for what to pray is out, but you do. And, and now help me to make intercession for her. And he began to pray with other tongues. And he just stayed right there on his knees. Now let me tell you something. Once you begin to pray this way, when you're praying about something, keep on praying until you have a note of victory. I mean by that, you either laugh or you talk or you sing in tongues. And then whatever it is you're praying about, you've got it. I mean, you've, as we say, speaking naturally, you've prayed that through. And so he stayed there. Twelve o'clock noon came. Of course, those cows are bawling, you know. They want to be milked and haven't been fed. And the chickens haven't been fed. And, and other farm animals, you know. They're making a lot of racket, but he's still on his knees, still praying with other tongues. And about two o'clock in the afternoon, he begins to laugh and sing in tongues. He said to his wife, she's all right. She's all right. Well, it was nearly six weeks later that they got a letter from him. And and, and, and this missionary said, the man said, uh, we wrote him, told him, said, well, uh, Blanche contracted one of those deadly diseases over there. And as I said, you got to remember, this is way back in the, in the 19, before 1920, see, back there between 1910 and 1920. And, and there's no cure for it. I mean, they, they, they didn't know anything about it. I mean, I mean, once you get it, you're dead. That's just it. You're dead. And so he said uh, uh, that they wrote and said, well, she, she went right down. In fact, in fact, as far as we could tell, died. I mean, we couldn't detect any life about it. But suddenly she just rolled right up well. 
Praise God forevermore. Well, they wrote back then and sat down. Now, now, what time was that? She didn't tell them anything. Just what time was it? And when they got the letter back and they compared it and they and they got and they, they, they got a hold of somebody that knew something about the time, they come to find out that the time she rose up, see, the time she is so desperately ill was that those hours that she went right down there so low when he was praying. And that when she rose up was that two o'clock when he was laughing in the spirit singing and telling Praise God forever. Well, you see, see, here's a means of supernatural communication. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I, this illustration is in my little book out there about praying with tongues. I, I was in California uh, holding a meeting in uh, Redondo Beach, California, 1950, May of 1956. And, and in the nighttime, I, I was awakened. I mean, I mean, I thought somebody had come in the trailer house and, and you know, and, and touched me, you know, and shook me. Just, 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 you know, I just woke up, boy, and my heart just a beat, you know, and I listened. I thought, well, who's in here? My wife, I, I felt over there, and she's right in the bed with me. She's very quiet. She's sleeping. I listened to her breathe. She's sleeping. And so I, I lay down, I lay back down on the pillow, and I said, Lord, uh, that must have been you. I said, what is it? Somewhere or another, there was an, uh, an alert in my spirit. You know what I mean by that? There was a, uh, an alert in my spirit. Well, I said, I don't know what it is, but somebody's in trouble. And, and then I, I just seemed to have this. I said, somebody, some of the family's in trouble now. And then I said to the Holy Spirit within me, now, I don't know for what the prayer's all, but you know everything. You know everything. And now, whoever it is, give me, give me, give me an intercession because you've come to help me pray. And I began to pray in another tongue, see? I don't mean I just led to do it or inspired to do it. I mean I just deliberately did it. Just started praying. And I must have, uh, must have prayed at least 45 minutes to an hour in, in other tongue. I prayed on until I had a note of victory. Very quietly. See, that's what's so wonderful about this. You don't have to be noisy about it. I never disturbed my wife. She slept right on, right by my bedside. Yet I prayed with tongues. And then I got to laughing to myself and singing in tongues. Quietly. Quietly. And then I went back over to English and thanked God for the victory. Praise God. See, this is a supernatural way to do it. Then I fell off sleep. And when I fell off sleep, I had a dream. And I, re I knew when a minute I woke up that God had spoken to me through that dream. I, I, I knew it. And, and in my dream, I saw my youngest brother. I, I knew nobody told me, you know how you are when you're in a dream. Or you, well, nobody tells you, but you know right where you are, you know what I mean. And so on. And I knew I, I, uh, that, that he was, and, and I seemed to be there, in Shreveport, Louisiana. And in a hotel room. And I knew it was up about 4 o'clock in the morning, and, and, and he became ill. And I saw the hotel, uh, uh, him get a hold of the desk, and they called an ambulance. And I saw the red light flashing. I seemed to go right on with it, and they rushed into the hospital. And I stood in the corridor outside the room, you see. And the doctor came out and, and looked at me, and he said, he's dead. And, and, I, and as I stood out there outside this corridor, uh, the, you know, in the hall of this hospital that, that here early in the morning, uh, you know, four o'clock in the morning or, or something like that. I, I, I kept in English, you see, in my dream, rebuking death in the name of Jesus. I said, no, he's not going to die, Lord. No, no, he's not going to die. I rebuke death in the name of Jesus. And, and, and the Lord, uh, in my dream, seemed to whisper the heart, see, well, well, he'll not die now. He'll live. Now, later on, I knew that was what I was doing in tongues, you see. So, so in my dream, the doctor came out and said to me, he's dead. I shook my head and said, no, doctor, he's not dead. Why, well, he said he is, too. No, I said he is. Well, he said, how do you know? I said, the Lord told me what.
Oh, he said, you're one of them nuts. <laughs> well, he said, I'll just show you. And he grabbed my hand, you see, and opened the door and flung it back and pulled me in there. And I saw in my dream, you see, a, a body on the bed, you see, the sheet pulled up over his head. And he jerked that sheet down. When he did, why, my brother's eyes fluttered and he's a breathing, you see. And he said, my youngest brother, he said, look at me, look at him. He said, he felt his pulse, checked his heart. He said, why, yes, he is alive. Well, he said, you must have known something I didn't know. He said, well, I pronounced too many people dead. I know he's dead. He said, what do you know? I said, I said, the Lord told me. He said, well, how did he tell you? I said, well, it just spoke to my heart. Well, he said, it'd be told I was even walked off and left us. Now, and then I woke up. I knew that's what I was praying about. Now, this is May. I had no contact with the family. We was out in California, see. May went by. Rest of May. This is the beginning of May. May went by, June, July, see, three months. First part of August, we went home. And I was parking this big old trailer because it's 45 foot long in, the, in our backyard where I live. And, 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 and so I was moving around a certain direction, see, with a pickup. And, 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 uh, and so my brother come by because he lived there in Garland, but he was a salesman. He's gone most of the time. And so he, uh, he, he pulled out back down the yard and stopped and got out and talked to him. And then, you know, we... We hadn't, I hadn't seen him, you know, all these months, none of the fan farms, and I hadn't seen any of them because we just got back. And uh, and he said to me, I like to die while he's gone. I said, yeah, I know it. You're down the street, sport, weren't you? Yeah. He said, uh, I said, you took sick in the night time. They called an ambulance, rushed you to the hospital. The doctor thought you was gone for a while. You were unconscious, weren't you? Yeah. He said, about 45 minutes. He said, doctor told me later I thought you was dead. He said, how'd you know, mama tell you? No, I said, I haven't seen anybody. I said, we just got in here about 45 minutes ago, and my wife was in the house. You see, straightened up. I was trying to get this trailer set the way I wanted. And he said, uh, and I told him a dream. Well, he said, that's exactly the way it happened. But I said, you see, before I had the dream, see, look, I just had the dream in my spirit to show me what I've been praying about. Now, I don't always have that. I won't average having that once a year or maybe twice. But I'll do 90% of my praying in other tongues. And so he said, I, I, I said, well, I, I, I prayed that through, bless God. <laughs> prayed God the Spirit knew it, you see. The Spirit knew it. Well, now, like I said, if I had time, I could just, uh, I could stand here all day when time run out, tell you the experience I actually. Now, I never did have those. I was a Christian, and I prayed for my folks beforehand as best I could, but I never had these supernatural experiences until I was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to pray with other tongues. I say this, that being filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, whether you go on to it or not, uh, because you may just stop at the door. You know, people do. But it's the doorway into the supernatural. Again, I was pastor of a little church in north central Texas, and, and my I, my wife and I always worked together. Uh, I, I, she would help me, you see, in church work and, and, and visiting, one thing or another, and I'd help her. And so I always, we just sort of had a, well, I don't know, we didn't make any agreement. I just told her. I, I, I always washed the breakfast dishes and cleaned up the kitchen while she swept the floors and made up the beds and then you see within a few minutes while the house is ready and we're ready for the day let's see and so uh, on Saturday morning uh, the first Saturday of May of 1943 well I was washing these dishes and, and some way or another it's just easier to pray in tongues than it was in English and so I was praying all the time I was washing dishes you know just quietly to myself just praying all the time and he said he was speaking on the tongue he edifies himself and the more I prayed it's just like it's a big old spring in here just winding up you know and then I finished, and of course, we'd, on Saturday, well, I'd get ready for Sunday. We didn't do any visiting or anything, but I, unless it's a case of emergency. But I, uh, I went to uh, 
I went to the post office that while, and I had a car. I could have driven, but I walked to get the exercise. I walked down through the city park, and, and I prayed in tongues all the way to the, to the post office. And, and I stood there in the lobby of the post office praying. With the, oh, not out loud. Certainly not. I, you know, I'm not a nut. I don't want folks, you know, uh, scare people. You know. But and then I prayed. Uh, well, when I, when, I, when I went down through the park, nobody around me. I did pray out loud in tongues, you see. Uh, you know, I sort of to myself. And, and prayed in tongues all the way back to the parsonage. Well, I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe God get me ready for tomorrow, you know, church services tomorrow. But about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, a lady brought her sister, who was an inmate of Wichita Falls State Asylum, who had, who had been violently insane, tried to kill herself, had been in a padded cell two years, and had, they said she wasn't violently insane now and would never be again, they didn't think, but would always need institutional care. But because of this solitary confinement, her general health had de- deteriorated, and they wanted they they folks to get her and bring her home two weeks on furlough, maybe a change of environment and all would change, you know, would help her general health and appetite. So she brought her sister for prayer. Then I saw what the Spirit was doing, see. As we knelt to pray on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost said, go stand in front of her and say, come out, you unclean devil, in the name of Jesus. I did it. She was delivered. And these years have come and gone. And, and that woman now, she sees up in her 70s and, and she's, she's, her mind's healed. Praise the Lord. Well, now, I never did have that to happen as a Baptist minister, you see, before I got this. Are you, are you following me? You know, we'd pray and then get some results. And of course, God answers prayer. Can you follow me? See, we'd have some meager results. But but I'm saying that came as a result of praying with tongues. You see, you you need to be built up yourself and edified yourself before you can edify somebody else. Oh my! I wish, wish we had more time, don't you? Praise God. I didn't get through, though, don't you? I don't want anybody to accuse me of that. I never do get through. I tell folks my, my sermons are like freight trains. I never get to the caboose. But I don't want to saw in two in the middle of a boxcar, but I'll just, I'll just unhook right here, and, and maybe we'll just hook up here in the morning or tonight. I don't know. I don't know. Thank God for the Word. Thank God for the privilege to, to be filled with the Spirit and to pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.